Thanks for joining us today on Open the Word with Circle of Friends. I'm Missy. And I'm Gwen. And I'm Libby. And I am so happy to be able to be back uh, because I know there's so much more that we want to talk about. And listeners, we hope that you are just so happy to join us in the discussion. When we were together, uh, we, we started in Second Chronicles chapter 22 toward the end. But what got us on that subject was talking about just the many kings and how either they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord or they did what was evil or was kind of a mixture or whatever, and how, oh my, times really haven't changed. Circumstances have, but that is our tendency, is to kind of be all in for the Lord, but, but get it wrong or to not be with the Lord at all, and we don't want to ever, ever, ever be there. So we were talking about this wicked uh, Athaliah who happened to reign over the land for six years because she had had all of her family killed. Now, is that the kind of queen you want? No, but as we talked about, people were probably so scared of her. So anyway, her daughter took baby Joash and snuck him away and hid him in the house of the Lord with the daughter's husband, who was also the priest, Jehoiada. So Joash's uncle Jehoiada was, as Gwen, you pointed out last week, able to fully, fully counsel and mentor this little boy for seven years. And then the time comes when he's ready to be king And Jehoiada has been plotting for seven years how to get him back on the throne where he belongs and take Athaliah out. And this is no random plotting. This is absolutely uh, under the sovereign providence of God Almighty. And Gwen, as you were talking through it last week, and listeners, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. I loved what you shared about that intentional strategy building that he was doing for seven years. Let's pick it up. Okay. I mean, he would have had to, to build relationship with a captain of guard to, in order to go into a covenant. Now, granted, they probably would have been through quite a bit under this um, uh, Athaliah who was reigning um, after killing her sons and everybody. But, you know, I, you just, the amount of strategic strategy that would have had to go into this, like, how are we going to do it? Where are we logistically going to do it? You know, I mean, even to the point that they used the, the, um, the shields and the spears from King David that were stored in the house of the Lord, you know, so you can just see. And I think a lot of times for us, our faith does not have a military or a war component to it at all. I think we even struggle to connect to spiritual warfare, honestly, especially in um, an American 21st century mindset, because to be honest, it feels so wrong to do that. And, and, you know, and I think there's a lot of us that are like, oh, we, we need to stay out of political stuff. And, you know, and so let's just stay in our own little corner in our own little chair with our little faith over here growing. Um, but when we look at the Old Testament, there's all of these beautiful examples of people who, um, who, who did the hard things in order to keep the right people where they needed to be, especially in the Davidic line of kings. Um, and so this would have been in the divided kingdom era. This is in the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, you know, and so 
I, I, you know, the high priests are so connected to who's in political power because it's who God has established the throne to belong to, the line of David. And so I love this. And this is a high priest who could have established he had the power and the means to put himself on the throne, and he didn't. He put a seven-year-old vulnerable young man with his oversight and protection And so what we see in the next couple pages um, is we see, one, the death of this woman who has wrestled control and taken it for seven years. Um, But then we see, literally, we see this high priest mentor, his nephew, in ruling and and for the rest of his lifetime. And so that's amazing to me because he didn't, he, he had... I mean, he could have walked away from him once he put him in power. You know, he could have done all kinds of things, but he faithfully walks with the Lord beside this Hmm. young man and helps him to lead the nation. If you read further in chapter 24, it says, Jehoiada was old and full of years, and he died at the age of 130. So even when he took on, even when he took this on, because Joash, yeah, he is... um, I'm not really sure at what point he is at that age, but but Joash was 40, or reigned for 40 years, so he's 47 when he died. Mm -hmm. So that's just amazing that even at his age, and maybe that's what gave him wisdom, I don't know, but uh, as you were explaining the whole um, scene here, I was looking at the very end of chapter 23, and this just kind of struck me and kind of tickled my my fancy just a little bit, but it says, and the city was quiet because Athaliah had been slain with the sword. I know. And the reason that tickled me is it just made me think how much chaos and how much, mm-hmm. like what was she stirring up and causing? I mean, it's obvious in just the these little brief uh, vignettes that, are, that were given. She was evil. She was trying to kill her grandson. And then she, you know, came into the temple and was trying to... So what was she doing in it, it with the power that she had for six years? It had to be chaos in the city. Mm-hmm. It had to be turmoil, craziness, so that when she died, then there was peace. And, and Joash was seven. So even that, there God's hand is upon him. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That that, that mess is cleared up for him to grow in relative peace. That's right. You know, in order to, for him to become the king that he became. Now, he wasn't... I'm, I have to ask, the last podcast, Libby, you told us about how you highlighted orange for the bad kings, blue for the godly kings, and some are orange and blue, and some... Yeah. So so what does Joash look like? Well, Joash starts out very blue, very yeah. blue, and then he ends in orange. In orange. But... I will, we'll talk about this because just because a king ends in a way that is not how he started, is not good, that does not mean that he still was not honored and that he still, uh, he did good things and accomplished God's purposes. And I, and I love just peeking around the corners a little bit and finding out, okay, what are the, what are the possible reasons why Joash chose to do what he did. But, but Missy, I love what you pointed out at the end of, of chapter 23, so all the people of the land rejoiced, and, yeah. and it was quiet yeah. after she'd been put to death. Now, let's not think that that's the answer for everything, but I love it that we just trust in the Lord, even and especially through our not understanding. We just trust in the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and 
You know, this kind of goes back to the original podcast where we started talking about the impact and the influence that we have on others. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that because um, because when we go back to Joash's father, um, Jehoram, he listened to his mother. And he listened to those that were around him, his advisors, who, who gave him very bad advice and very ungodly advice. And he, and he hung out with Joram, son of, of Ahab, king of Israel. So, you know, the influence there was bad. And when he died, Joash was sort of taken out of that influence and put under the good influence of Jehoiada. Yeah. And it now, says, let, can I interrupt, though? Jehoram was actually his grandfather, and Ahaziah was his dad. But it's still, your point is, Oh, perfect. I, you are absolutely No, but your right. point is perfect because Jehoram influenced Ahaziah and a you know yeah. it it's all about yeah. influence and yet the choices are always always ours to make. And and during that time you're right. So I had that totally confused, but Ahaziah under his influence, Joash under his influence, Jehoiada as long as he was alive, it says very clearly that he that Joash was a good king. And followed the Lord as long as Jehoiada was alive. And if you look further at in 24, in verse 17, after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king, and he listened to them. So all of a sudden, he's now under the influence of the officials of Judah. Well, who are these officials of Judah? Um, verse 18 says, they abandoned the temple of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and worshipped Asherah, poles, and idols. And that's where we see my orange come in. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, it starts bleeding yeah, pretty heavy. I, I, I wrote in the margin, what did they say to the king? What did these people say to the king? Now, the other thing it makes me think of is... Jehoiada, oh, I, I'm so excited to be able to spend time with these people when I get to heaven to just, I don't know, have these conversations. But it makes me wonder, did Jehoiada teach Joash as, as well as he taught him? Did he teach him, though, that first and foremost, you must follow the Lord? Don't follow me. Follow God. I will follow God. You follow me as I follow God, kind of like the Apostle Paul says. Follow me as I follow Christ. But, and Gwen, you had talked about this off air, was a potential problem that Joash was putting his faith in Jehoiada more than he was God. Yeah. And I, I do think this brings up a good point, that we, and we've talked about this often before too, but it, it must be our faith. Yes. Regardless, yeah. I mean, you, our children don't follow the, they may follow the Lord because of our influence, but unless they follow the Lord because it's their heart to follow the Lord and they love the Lord and it's their faith, they won't, they won't, um, they won't remain faithful. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? I they'll do. fall away. I do. And I don't think they'll see God. No. And, and, and we can talk about seeing God as seeing God when we get to heaven. And we can also say seeing God here on earth, what he's doing in my life because I want my eyes to be open to see him. So yeah, Missy, I think that is such a crucial point. And I don't think there's anything more important than that. Well, I, I, I love the grace that you give Joe Ash. I really do. And, and oh, I think oh I'm true. not done yet, but go I, ahead. <laughs> I know. But, but as we look further in, in verse 24, the Lord is very angry with uh, Judah yes. and Jerusalem, mm -hmm. rightly so, because... They're now they're off the rails. They're they're worshiping other gods blatantly, all of that stuff. 
um, in spite of the fact that Joash was the one that repaired the temple and sort of, you know, all that influence is gone. And so now Zechariah, Jehoiada's son, steps forward. And he, he's very clear. He says, this is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? You will not prosper because you have forsaken the Lord. He has forsaken you. And look at verse 21 of chapter 24. But they plotted against him, and by the order of the king, that's Joash, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash did not remember the kindness Zechariah's father Jehoiada had shown him, but killed his son. Who is his cousin, by the way, as we've sorted through all this, right? Yes. Who said as he lay dying, may the Lord see this and call you to account. And might I just say, I don't think that was... I want my revenge. I really feel this is Zechariah saying, hey, may you see the error of your ways and come back to the Lord. Oh, I agree. I agree. And and honestly, <laughs> oh, these stories break my heart. They do. But again, are we so far from them? No. We're not. No, and we're I not. oh, I have to always be willing to search my own heart. Yes, Joash started out so incredibly well but finished so horribly. Well, and, and okay, uh, twenty chapter 24, verse 24. So God allows the army of the Arameans to come with a small number of men, yet the Lord delivered a very great army into their hands because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Thus they executed judgment on Joash. So God uses them to execute judgment on Joash. Which was the very answer to what the priest said as he he died. Um, And then 25, and when they had departed from him, for they left him very sick, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and murdered him on his bed so that he died. They buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tomb of the kings. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and I have that highlighted in orange, Mm -hmm. because that is a very important statement right there. They did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. That, to me, says more about Joash's ending than anything else. That's a huge decision. But, Gwen, you're absolutely right, I think, as far as what Zechariah said, "May may the Lord see and avenge. And Missy, I think you're right. He's not saying, avenge my death. He's saying, no, avenge avenge so that you can come back to where God wants you to be. Um, And I think it's interesting. Wouldn't you love to talk to his servants that conspired against him to find out what they were, what they were thinking and feeling when Joash called for the stoning of Zechariah? Uh, this is all just so fascinating to me. Um, yes, because Scripture does say that's why they killed him. Yes. It's because Joash ordered exactly. Zechariah. Exactly. So why? what was going through their heads when they found out that, that uh, Zechariah was ordered to be stoned by King Joash? Oh, it's like, how does this happen, folks? Well, we know how it happens. Um, yeah, we know how it happens. Well, and his <laughs> officials, how long has he had his officials been with him and knowing like who he was before and who he was after? Yes. Because I wonder, and this is just supposition on my part, they, they seem to be men who 
uh, want justice and righteousness. And seeing Joash fall under the influence of um, the officials of Judah, the officials of Judah, and and start you know start to worship mm-hmm. Asherah. Suddenly, the king that they followed, the king that they advised, the king that they did his bidding, is now turning into someone totally different, right? A right. totally different person because he's under the influence of other people. And then once he, he starts to worship Asherah, then he's really he's really gone off the rails. Yeah, and and you know what. We, we all know this. Joash isn't the first, and he's not the only. Uh, and and so that's why it's so heartbreaking. But what I want to glean from this, for me personally, is recognizing if I think I'm immune to not following the Lord, I'm setting myself up for failure. Yeah. Yes. I am so completely dependent on God. And if I don't stay connected to him and abide in him and allow him to grow my faith, it, it's not it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah. It's just not. And I think we we put ourselves on a slippery slope. It, you look at Joash, look at any of the kings. They didn't just fall off the cliff. It was a slippery slope. Yep. And so my guess is that a lot of the people that were surrounding him, a lot of the uh, of his kingdom didn't even pay attention to what was happening because it was a slippery slope. And they all just kind of did their own thing and did what was asked and didn't think about the consequences. Or, you know what I'm saying? Didn't see what was really going on. Well, and... And there again, we, we're just like them because unless we're taking everything we're hearing, all of culture, everything that's going on around us and taking it back to the word of God and saying, okay, how does this line up? Because things sound good to us. And it, it, that slippery slope you talk about, Libby, it's very easy to get on because oh, yeah. we, we agree. <laughs> we find ourselves agreeing with things or, or even in... And our family recently has been a discussion of maybe a movie that's watched or something or a book or whatever. And it's like, oh, that is not good. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, this was such a great movie. Oh, well, this part wasn't good. Was it? You know, then you start talking about it and say, was it really a great movie? Well, actually, it wasn't. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. we enjoyed it and we found ourselves being drawn into it. And therefore, we think it's good. But when we compare it to what the word of God says, it really wasn't good. And those are the kinds of discussions that I think that we need to have with our kids, with one another, because otherwise, otherwise we don't see the slippery slope. That's right. Or we justify it, you know? Oh, we're so good at justifying things. Oh my. Well, Uh, yeah. And if we, oh, oh, this was something that was kind of mentioned the other night, um, uh, in at church, but, uh, the discussion of, you know, if we're not saturated in the word of God, we are not going to recognize the moments where we start to emotionally identify mm. and are tempted to walk away from solid theology. Because we right now we are living in an age where um, people are following their heart and it's leading them to edit their theology. It sounds mm. so good though. Yeah, Follow say, your heart. I want right? to say. I want you it to say that again. Their dilemma. It solves the dilemma yes. that's at the core, where if they hold the theology, it's going to cost their heart in some way. And so, like, I'm noticing that, you know, people f- are falling like crazy in this day and age because they get put in that dilemma that they either hold fast to what the word says or 
And, and, and if they do that, then it puts them in a dilemma. It puts them in a situation where they may have to hurt somebody or they may have to choose one thing over another. And so to solve that dilemma, they compromise their theology and then they're good. That dilemma goes away and they're all happy and they don't have any of that conflict anymore. And so we are in a day and age where people are walking away from theology like crazy, good, solid biblical theology. And part of it is they're not in the word enough to know what real biblical theology is. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, you know, they may or may not even be sitting under a pastor who's teaching it from right. the pulpit. Right. So, you know, they honestly are in, we've walked away from hymns, which have tons of theology in them. And so literally we have taken good, solid, um, maybe I need another word for theology, but just of the view of God and how he works in, in the lives of people, that, that sense of like what the Bible says is your plumb line. Um, people aren't connected to that anymore because they're not in the word themselves. We've walked away from theology in the hymns. And so now we're doing, I mean, there's just so many different levels that we've weakened um, our spiritual environments to some extent. Yes. And I, I think we have weakened the word of God by trusting our own interpretation of it. And that's why I remember when I was very young, sixth grade probably, and I have an older brother. He's not much older than I am. But I remember him saying to me, pray before you read the word of God. Ask God to help you understand it. And so, you know, he wasn't that old either. But I do remember that. And like even something like the fear of God. Oh, if you would ask people the definition of that, you'd get so many different answers if they're not grounded in the Word of God. Or, Gwen, when you were talking about um, compromising our theology, it is so, it's becoming so good, in quotes, air quotes, and acceptable for people to just pick and choose what they want from the Word of God. Yes. As if that's... the research tells us that's what we're doing in the church. That's right. That's right. It's almost like... We are self-constructing our view of God in life. Yes. And it's almost like we're taking any book, Mm -hmm. any book that we would get from the store or the library, reading it, and then saying, well, what are the the parts that that speak to me? I, I can... Yeah, yeah, these are the parts I love about this book. That's perfectly fine when you're doing that with any other book, but not with the Word of God. But we have just approached it with this secular casualty. casualty. Yes, casualty that... um, Maybe it's casuality. Casuality. That causes the casualty. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I I was thinking. (laughs) Casuality that causes potential casualty. I don't know. I might have just made up a word. I don't know. (laughs) No, I love it. I love it. And, you know, it took my mind to um, the the book of Judges Mm -hmm. where, oh, isn't that a commentary on life through the ages? And I have this written down at the beginning of the book of Judges. It is raw and relevant. Uh, What happens to God's people when they stop living like God's people? Right. The book of Judges happens. Mm -hmm. And we can say that about any of the kings. What happens to them when they stop living like the king that they were ordained to be? 
we end up with them all getting their names written in orange. <laughs> <laughs> and not buried in the Tomb of the Kings. That's right. Oh, that's right. That's the, yeah. But I will come back to, oh, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, oh, God, and see if there be any, any wicked way in me. Anything that doesn't honor you. I want to be buried in the tomb of the kings. I want to, I want to finish well. I don't want to be a Joe Ash. Write my name in blue. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, here's the thing. If he would have been in the word and connected to the Lord, if he didn't yes. know who the Lord was, it would not have mattered if his, his uncle, the high priest, was living or not. Yeah. He'd have walked faithful the rest of the way through. You know, I, I just think of Joshua. You know, it didn't matter whether Moses was alive or not. He walked with the Lord his entire life. And when we get to the end of the book of Joshua, we have this beautiful um, summarized speech of his message to the people on on his literally right before his death where they are given this massive challenge to choose you this day whom you will serve um and so it's just beautiful but i want to read matthew 24 um starting in verse 10 um at that time talking about end times um Uh, it says, and let me back up to nine, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise and mislead many. Because the lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Then the end will come. I, you know, honestly, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. We are seeing people fall away like crazy. We are seeing people that just cannot make sense of the word of God anymore. Um, And so, of course, when you can't make sense of it, you don't live it. Um, and so, anyway, I, th- I think that's a good place to stop, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I guess. Yes or no? <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Gwen. Um, but, you know, I think we need to live with just that sense of we need to be in the Word. Because if we don't know who the Lord is, we are not going to continue our faith when hard times come, you know? And so if we've put our faith security in anything else, in our church and in, you know, the worship we listen to and anything else but the word of God that stands forever, our faith is going to shake, crack, or fall apart when hard times come. So thank you for joining us at the table. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from Modern Farmhouse to transitional design. 
then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.